Okay, we're picking up where we left off uh, in Havot Alevavot Shara Bitahon. We're in the Yafa family edition of Shara Bitahon. We're on chapter 2, it's page 49. So, in chapter 1, Havot Alevavot basically defined Bitahon as absolute reliance on a provider, where the person with the faith has complete confidence and peace of mind that that who he is putting confidence in will meet all of his needs and go beyond what the person actually deserves. Now, after we had that definition, Chavot mentioned the different qualities that the provider must have. And now in this chapter, we're going to break down those qualities into seven specific uh, qualities. And we're going to ultimately see why Bitahon cannot be complete unless the provider has all these qualities, which obviously only Hashem could have. So the conclusion of this chapter ultimately is going to be that it's illogical to place one's trust in human beings and we can really only do it uh, for, uh, putting that trust in Hashem because of these qualities. So, we learned in the previous chapter, like we said, bitahon is blissful confidence that the provider upon whom one relies will supply whatever one may need. Now, people often place their trust in other humans who are wealthier or are more skilled or more powerful, as we know. So, Chavot Alevavot is going to explore whether it's reasonable to have bitahon or supreme confidence in a human being. As we know from the hints in the previous chapters, it is not a good idea. But we're going to start this chapter by examining the qualities that a provider must have to be worthy of uh, the full confidence. Let's go. When we consider the criteria that would theoretically provide a basis for placing one's trust in human beings, there are seven. It's not logical for anyone to have any trust in a human being unless a human being has seven specific qualities. What are they? The first of the seven qualities that make it possible for anyone to be worthy of one's reliance is that the provider has the traits of compassion, pity, and love for the one on, uh, for the one that the person is relying on, right? Because compassion, pity, and love, without that, how can a person really be secure and relying on this person? If the person doesn't love me or have compassion on me or pity on me or understands me in that way, then how can I rely on this human being that he's actually going to pull through for me and that he cares for me and that he's going to, that he's going to take care of me? It's the love that a person has for another person that guarantees that the person will be taken care of. I know my mom, let's say, loves me. I know my brother loves me so I can rely on on this person. So that's that's the first piece that he's saying here is the person needs to have compassion, pity, and love. When a person knows that his fellow is compassionate and, pity, and pitying towards him, meaning he loves him, he will be inclined to trust that fellow and rely on him in any of the affairs that trouble him. He won't feel bad to burden that individual by relying on him, right? By making the guy be uh, uh, dependable for him because he's okay, the guy loves me. He'll take care of me. What do I need to be worried or embarrassed for to ask this guy for help and to rely on him? He loves me. So the first base of Vidahon is that the provider should care so deeply about a person that the person is comfortable placing his trust in that person. Beautiful. That's number one. The second of the seven essential qualities. That one must know about the provider, that in addition to his love, right, for the one placing trust in him, which will arouse him to aid this person when he's aware of his need, that he doesn't divert his attention from the person due to being busy with other things, other distractions. 
and he's not sluggish in carrying it out. What does he mean? He's like, listen, you could have a person who loves you. Even if the person's compassionate and cares for you, if the guy's busy with his own life or he doesn't have the strength or resources or energy to actually help you and help you fulfill your needs, no matter how much he loves you and no matter how compassionate he is for you, he's not going to be able to take care of you. So you can't rely on the guy. So, so Havot Havot is saying, not only does God have to love you, he has to have the ability to help you. He can't be distracted by his own life. But the person who's putting his trust into another person, if he knows that that person will always exert himself and will always be determined to carry out his need and always be determined to, to, to get it done, that's a different story. For if the one placing the trust is not sure about this, what we're saying, that, 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 that the guy can actually pull through and he won't be too busy with his life and he won't be distracted. Because he knows that the person, let's say, at times has distractions and he has a limited attention or, or in other situations, he's, he's, he's uh, not pulled through, then that's a problem. Then that's, then that's a real concern. But when a person who, who is putting his trust in someone finds these two qualities that we mentioned combined, right? Where, where a person is loving and caring for him and is, 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 is ready to put all his efforts into getting it done and has the energy and resources to do so. Then, How much more now will the person be able to put full and ultimate and undoubt and doubtful trust inside of him. So again, it's natural for a person to place a high degree of trust in an individual who both genuinely cares about him and energy energetically attends to his needs. Okay. As Chavot Alvot goes on to say though, there are other criteria that also have to be met. But for now, these are the two things that that, that we have to understand. Let's move on to number three. The the third of the seven qualities a provider must possess in order for anyone to place unreserved trust in him. Is she a hazak? He has to be very strong. He has to be powerful. He has to be influential. He has to be able to make moves. He cannot be uh, stopped by others in accomplishing whatever he desires. Meaning, he has to be a guy that I trust that will be able to, to pull it off me even if he faces obstacles, whether other humans, whether natural obstacles. Uh, who knows? And that no impediment can prevent him from fulfilling the request of the one who placed the trust in him. Because if the person is weak, let's say the guy loves me, let's say the guy has the time to provide for me. If the guy is weak, I can't have complete trust in him because I, I, I can have some trust, but I, can I really be fully, entirely secure that he's going to be able to pull, pull off what I need him to pull off if the guy's not strong, if he's weak? Even though it's clear that the guy has the first two qualities, he's compassionate, he loves me, he pays attention, he has the attention, he has the resources. If the guy cannot stand on his own and battle whatever he might have to battle to pull it off, then that's a problem. That's the problem. The guy might do his best and maybe he'll be able to do some things, but there could be a lot of things he'll be unable to accomplish because maybe those who are more powerful than him might oppose him or stop him, right? So, so... 
somebody can be prevented from accomplishing things on his friend's behalf in a lot of situations because life has a lot of obstacles. So regardless of the way he feels about me, I might not be able to rely on him. But when the person has these three qualities, you see he's stacking it, right? He has the compassion, he has the attentiveness, and he has the power. Okay, now the guy has more of a reason to trust in us. Uh, to be to be trusted. Fourth criteria. There's the fourth one now. That he knows all the ways in which one who places his trust in him can benefit. Meaning, a provider might have the first three qualities. He might love the other person. He might be devoted to his needs. He might be able to overcome any obstacle. But that's useless if he doesn't truly know what's truly best for that person. For what's truly beneficial for that person. So, you might have a guy who means well and, and his efforts, you know might actually create something, but the effort might be wasted or might end up harming the other person rather than helping him if he doesn't truly know what that person needs. Someone could have good intentions and try to assert himself to help someone, but if the guy doesn't really know what's best for the guy, he might be hurting him, right? And we can think of examples in our lives maybe where people have good intentions and they try to help us and they intend to help us, but they end up hurting us because they don't realize, you know, what they're doing is not what's best for us or it's not what we need. Uh, and the guy is, 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 is ignorant. Now, for the person to be trusted, he cannot be ignorant of what's good for that person, neither in regard to concealed matters or revealed matters. That's even deeper now. They're saying a well-meaning and even knowledgeable person might think that something is good for his friend, but he would even have to be aware of hidden aspects of his existence that he can't even possibly know, right? There's things that people hide even from their closest friends. There's deep layers of a person's personality, internal challenges, goals, fears, visions. So so this person would have to be in the deepest of levels to realize if something is actually good for a person or actually bad for a person. In fact, there are certain situations where a guy doesn't even know what's good for himself. So how could he even tell someone what's good for himself if he doesn't even know what's good for himself? That's even a crazier level down. So in order to have a full trust in another individual, the person that's, that, that, that we're trying to trust has to be aware of all aspects of this person's existence, even things that the person himself might not even be, be aware of so that he can properly assess what's truly good for him. So that's, so that's very powerful, right? That a situation is good in all possible ways. Because, and, and, and this takes it a whole nother level because now it's saying that there might be things that are initially good for a person, but in the long run might, might, might not be good. Or there might be things that might seem bad, but in the end end up being good. It's too complex for a human being to be able to handle that. I mean, that's not what he's concluding here. He's just, it's just an obvious thought about why ultimately at the end of this chapter, we're going to realize it has to be Hashem because this is a deep level of knowledge no human possesses. Because if a person does not know all this thing that we're talking about, then the person who now is supposed to trust him cannot feel fully secure because the person might unintentionally hurt him and not do what's best, what's best uh, for his interest. Because remember, to have full trust, you have to believe that a person is going to be, be taken care of in every respect. This guy's going to take care of me in every respect. But when someone finds all four of these qualities combined, right? He's aware of, that, of what's truly benefit for him, of what's truly beneficial to him. And he has the ability to give those things. And he's, he's giving the energy to it. And he loves and pities him. And the guy has more reason to trust him without question. So we're seeing the pattern of this chapter. Each additional quality that Chovot Alavot is mentioning, it's the level of trust that one can place in him. But again, they're still lacking the absolute trust because we're going to need all seven to have all absolute trust, which we're going to end up seeing is Hashem. The, the fifth, 
that the provider is the fifth one is that the provider is the only one who has management over the affairs of the person who trusts in him for his entire life. What does that mean? This does not mean that the provider is the only one who can ever do anything for the one trusting him. Okay? What it's saying, that's going to come next. What it's saying is that even if other people could theoretically provide assistance, the provider is the only one who has continual management of the one trusting him. Why? Because other people can spoil his intentions. You could have a guy who knows everything about me. He loves me. He cares for me. He has the strength to take care of me. He has the energy to take care of me. But if there's other people meddling in my life and influencing it, how much could the guy possibly control? From the moment of conception, through his development in the womb and his infancy, through his adolescence and youth, through his middle age and old age. So, I mean, I'm laughing, but it, you know, he's being serious. He's saying that technically, for a person to be able to be fully trusted, he has to have fully control over this guy from the second he's conceived as a seed between his father and mother and through his development in the womb as a baby, as a fetus, and then born as a baby through his infancy and through his young life and through his adulthood and old age. Because again, he's trying to say like, if at any point somebody else has control over this guy or has influence or impact, it could, it could mess up what he's trying to do to, 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 you know, be, to be reliable for this person. Because listen, I'm a human. I could say, ooh, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z for you. I'm going to take care of you. You can trust me. And out of nowhere, another guy jumps in and starts meddling with it. You know, I can only control so much. Ad in yato. All the way to the end of the guy's existence in the world. And once the person bestowing his trust has realized all this about his provider and realizes that the provider was taking care of him up until this point in his life and will be there for the rest of his life, he can feel secure and rely on him for future needs. Based on his recognition of the abundant good things and constant benefits that the provider is already bestowed upon him. So, this is a beautiful thing. I want to pause for a second to discuss, even though he's not getting into this just yet, but we can reflect this concept on Hashem. It's so true. Hashem created us from, forget conception, from our soul. So Hashem created us from the infinite past of, of making our soul. Then Hashem created us from the conception, the seed of our, our father to the, to the egg of our mother, made us born. We cooked in, 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 in our mother's womb. We were born. The whole point is from the beginning of our existence, Hashem was involved. And through our youth, through our young adult life, through God willing, our old age, through our, till the end of the second very moment of our existence, till that ends, Hashem was involved the whole way. So we can know that Hashem knows every detail about our lives. Hashem was involved. Hashem's managing the whole thing from start to finish. And Hashem knows what's best of us. And we could see the same way Hashem has saved us many times in the past. The same way Hashem has blessed us many times in the past. We can trust in that faith and reliance that Hashem will continue to do so. That's what he's saying here. But, but bringing it back to now the, the reliance on a human, when one knows that the individual not only has provided his necessities throughout his life, which again, we're basically talking about Hashem here because no one else can do this, right? But also has bestowed upon him an abundance of extra goodness, one can be surely confident that he'll continue to shower him with goodness. So the presence of this fifth quality, as we know, he's going to repeat what he says, um, dictates that one could, could strongly um, rely on his provider. Now, before we move on to the sixth one, there's a little bit of a note here that I want to share because it looks interesting. Let's see. So it's titled The Past as an Assurance of the Future. So Chavot Lavot is concluding, uh, which is obvious, is that only Hashem has these qualities. Wow, look at that. Beautiful. 
The idea that our bitachon and Hashem for future needs is based on our knowledge of the kindnesses He has done for us in the past is expressed in the fourth blessing of Berkat Amazon, where we say Shebechol Yom Bayom Hu Hetiblanu Hu Hetiblanu Hu Yetiblanu Hu Gamlanu Hu Golanu Hu Yigmelenu Laad. Right. For every single day, He did good, He does good, and will do good to us. He was bountiful with us, He is bountiful with us, and He will forever be bountiful with us. Right. While each individual can draw upon his own past experiences to strengthen his bitachon and Hashem, the Jewish nation as a whole is also expected to do so. One of the reasons given for the mitzvah of sukkah is it reinforces our nation's bitachon and Hashem by reminding us of our miraculous survival in the wilderness after the exodus of Egypt. We spent 40 years in this great and awesome wilderness with snakes and serpents and scorpions where Hashem shielded us from all harm. And though the wilderness contained neither food nor water, Hashem provided us with man from heaven to eat and water from a rock to drink. During that period, our nation became trained on relying on Hashem since the man did not last overnight and everyone had to wait a new supply from heaven each day. This national experience ingrained in us the awareness that Hashem unfailingly provides for His people and made Bitachonim a part of the psyche of the Jewish nation. Beautiful. This was a nice snippet to read verbatim from the book. It's showing that even as a Jewish nation, we can look back and get Bitachon from that as well. Obviously, we have stories like Hanukkah. There's so many stories that we can learn about Hashem's uh, rely, uh, reliability. The sixth cri- criteria, Vashishit, Shiyeh inyan beyado. That the fortune of the person bestowing his trust is entirely under the control of the provider. And that no one can harm him or help him. Nor give him good, nor protect him from harm. Except that provider. So in this one now, so, so if you go back in the third one, Chavot Alavot mentioned that the provider needs to have the power to overcome anyone trying to prevent him from supplying his friend's needs. In this one, it's, it's taking it further. It's saying that no one but the provider has any control over anything that happens to his friend. Meaning, even when the provider chooses not to act, no one else can help or harm his friend without the provider's consent, right? Otherwise, his friend cannot trust completely in him, but would trust then something else. Meaning, if the person I'm trusting decides to do nothing, oh, I'll just go trust someone else. They're saying, no, this is, this is, this really puts it over the top, the sixth one. And, and, I mean, it makes sense because we're almost at seven. Once it's seven, it's game over. But the sixth one is basically saying, no one can harm me and no one can help me without Hashem. Again, he's not, he's not saying Hashem explicitly, but we know that's where he's going. A doctor can only save me if Hashem gives the doctor the ability to save me and gives me the ability to heal. Uh, 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 um, a robber can't rob me if Hashem doesn't give the ability of the robber. Hashem will not allow a hair to fall off your head if, if, if he doesn't want it to. That's, that's the main point, is nothing can happen without Hashem allowing it to. Rather, the person bestowing his trust is like an imprisoned servant. Who is in a dungeon under the exclusive control of his master, such that no one can do anything for him without the master's consent. When the person bestowing his trust is under control of the one who he's placed his trust, in this extreme way, it's even more fitting for him to put trust in that provider since no one else has any influence over anything that happens to him. So it's funny. I, I mean, I find it, again, it's, it's, it's very deep. I just find it funny because the example he's giving, it sounds so scary. It's saying like, it's, a, it's like being an imprisoned servant who was in a dungeon under the exclusive control of his master. But he's actually saying that in a good way. Like, like he's saying, if, if, a, if there's a person in a dungeon locked up and there's one guy that can get him out, there's one guy watching the door. He has the key. Everyone else is miles above on the streets. This guy's in, the, in a dungeon under the ground, right? Are you going to rely on anyone other than the person right outside your cell with the key? 
Is there anyone else you're going to trust? Absolutely not. You're not going to think about your father. You're not going to think about your cousin. You're not going to think about your friend. The guy who can get you out, the guy who you are completely relying on for your food, for your water, for your freedom, is the guy right on the other side of the gate holding the keys to your uh, jail cell. So he's saying that's ultimately what it is, right? With, with Hashem, of course, it's more pleasant than that. We're not prisoners. He's just, he took an extreme example so that we can you know, understand it. Only Hashem can impact our lives. Only Hashem could free us and save us. Only Hashem could imprison us. Hashem is running the world. Okay, number seven, the seventh quality needed for someone to place absolute and unqualified trust in the provider is that the one in whom he places his trust is absolutely generous and kind, is merciful is loving, so that his goodness flows to the one who deserves and to the one who does not deserve. And his generosity is constant and his kindness is continual. That's never ending. It never gets cut. It's infinite. It keeps going. Now this is a very important detail, right? Because think about the one we just mentioned about Number six, where we said uh, it's like being in a dungeon and it's like being under someone's control. They're saying the seventh is you know the person you're relying on is infinitely generous, infinitely kind, infinitely merciful and giving and just wants to do good for you and just wants to do chesed. And guess what? Gives it to you whether or not you deserve it. The guy who deserves it's going to get goodness. The guy who does not deserve it's going to get goodness. And this generosity they're saying is infinite. Hold on what they're saying is it's infinite, it's constant, it's continual, it cannot end. And, and, and why is that so important? Because the individual's trait of generosity that he's describing here, he's not talking about someone where the generosity is dependent on his mood or the day he's having. No, his heart must always be overflowing with goodness. The acts of kindness must always be constant. And that is Hashem. That is Hashem. There's no human that can, that can 24-7 be 100% overflowing in goodness and kindness. And, and, and if the individual's good hardness or kindness is dependent on, on, on the guy's mood or even on the person who's doing the relying, right? Like, like if, if, the, if the individual's good hardness or kindness is dependent on the, one of, the one's deserving of it or is subject to being withdrawn for any reason at all, someone cannot rely on him with complete peace of mind. Think about it in business. If you have a buyer that loves you, and you think the guy's taking care of me. If there's ever an issue, he'll help me extend my order. I know the guy's going to pay me on time. He'll never get rid of me for another supplier. He'll... Listen, it also depends on the day, right? If the boy's having a bad day or, or he's under the gun or his boss is bugging him, he might not be so merciful to you. Or, or, or if he withdraws his, his love for you because he found another uh, competitor of yours who's giving him a better deal, he might... Withdraw. So that's why you can't be 100% have peace of mind that like, oh, my parnasa is in my buyer's hand. You can't rely on your buyer to parnasa. It's impossible to put full trust in an individual who might one day decide or be forced to withdraw his generous disposition or his kindness. And, and that's a very, very important uh, uh, piece, right? When the individual who controls one's destiny is unfailingly generous and kind in all circumstances, and he also has the other six qualities, that's it. One can rely on him fully. That's that's basically what Havot is saying. Then you can have absolute trust in the person. 
Um, and, and just reading off of one of the comments here, it says uh, about the Nishmat prayer that we, that we pray, Nishmat Kohai, right? In the Nishmat prayer that we say on Shabbat morning, uh, there's a reference to what we're talking about. The principle that Abitachon and Hashem comes from this infinite kindness, even for those who, who, who don't merit it, right? So you read, Adhena azarunu rahamecha lo azabunu hasadecha. Right? Until now your mercy has helped us and your kindness has not forsaken us and you will not abandon us, Hashem, our God forever. So the phrase, until now your mercy has helped us, means whatever help you've given us until now was not on account of our merit. It was on account of your mercy. A lot of the blessings we have is not because we're tzaddikim. A lot of the blessings we have is because Hashem is merciful and generous. Likewise, when it says, and your kindness has not forsaken us, it means you have not forsaken us even though we don't have the virtue for it. It's a result of your kindness. This leads us to conclude that where it says, and you will not abandon us, Hashem our God, forever, which is basically saying that we're confident Hashem will never abandon us. Since we survived until now, without merit and without virtue, we shouldn't be concerned that in the future we might sin and our merit would not suffice. Now, of course, it doesn't mean we could go now and be sinners and break the Torah and say, oh, Hashem loves me. He's not going to, you know. No, it's just more, we could be confident that we're trying our best we're trying to grow. We're trying to get close to Hashem. And that's what's important. Hashem's not just going to uh, not take care of us and not be kind to us because of our mistakes on our way to the top. No. We're trying our best. Hashem's patient. Hashem's generous. Hashem's loving. He's merciful. Father, he's going to take care of us. So, so that's something to understand. Everything we've received until this point is from mercy and kindness. So therefore, we don't need to have concern. So let's summarize the seven, uh, the seven qualities that a provider must have to have full trust. Number one. The provider has to be compassionate and pitying. The, 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 the provider has to have full love for the one bestowing trust. So that's number one, compassion and love. Number two, being attentive to his needs and energetic in addressing them. Meaning the provider has to be able to prioritize and handle taking care of this person because if he doesn't, then even if he loves the guy, you know, he can only do so much. He won't be able to. Number three, the provider has to have supreme power. Because again, if the guy loves him, and if the guy is attentive and focused on him, but the guy doesn't have power, a lot of obstacles will get in his way. Number four, have perfect knowledge and insight into what's good for the person. Because again, the guy might love you, he might be attentive, he might be powerful, but if he doesn't know what's best for you, he might end up hurting you. Number five, being the one consistently dedicated to the person's needs at every point of his existence. Why? We said if somebody else gets involved, he can mess up what he's doing. And number six, having absolute control over everything that happens to the person. That's the biggest one. That's like, that's like the guy has to be involved from the first second so that the guy doesn't change course. And then number seven, being unfailingly good-hearted and kind even to the undeserving, which is the concept that Hashem does what's best for us and that we can rely on him because human beings one day might be hot, the next day could be cold. One day might be into helping us, the next day not be into helping, helping us. And, and just to juxtapose them again with the first two qualities, we say that, you know, the first two we mentioned that the person cares enough to provide the needs. The next two, and, and this is summarizing how the seven are all related to each other. The first two qualities is that the person cares enough for the person to actually help. The next two talk about him having the ability to do so. And the last three say why he, he, he actually will, he will actually be able uh, to do so. So those are the seven qualities. Um, we're going to do a couple more lines to finish chapter two, and then uh, we'll be able to conclude and move on to chapter three. If there is someone who has all of these qualities, along with all that we've mentioned from chapter one, right, where we learned about 
Hashem's ability to sustain a person in all circumstances and protect him from all harm and give him his parnasah in, 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 in different ways, right? Like we learned about the man and things like that, where, where we learned the alchemists can't do that, right? Remember that? And then in chapter one, where we learn about Pitachon, where the provider has to be able to keep his pledge and go beyond this pledge. Hovot Lavot's basically saying, let's say you find someone that could do all this, right? And the conditions uh, have been met in full. I'm saying even in here where, where we learned all of this. In that case, reason dictates that one who knows this about him is obligated to place his trust in him. And could confidently rely on him. Both in his public and private private uh, thoughts and heart, both in his heart and, and, and with his limbs. So he's trying to say that, let's say a person finds somebody that has all these qualities we mentioned so far, right? Then eventually he can have the full trust. Bitahon will start in the heart, right? Because you'll have confidence that he could rely on the person. But then it goes from the heart into action, where it goes into the person's limbs, where the, where it actually affects the person's ability to to to, to live with bitahon, and 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 it affects with the way he invests in in in, in his goals and, and and in chasing after what he wants with that belief, right? So he's saying bitahon starts in the heart and you believe, but eventually it actually translates into your life, into your decision making, and the way you you function. and he's obligated to submit himself to that trusted one to control all of his affairs. So now he's not only saying that, he's not only saying you could trust, he's saying Hayav, you are required to trust and, and, and put your confidence in this being completely. And, and you have to not only tolerate what the person is doing for you in your life, but you have to judge the one you're trusting favorably in all his judgments and actions. Meaning you have to give the one you're trusting benefit of the doubt because we might not understand everything that, that from, from the person who's trying to benefit us. But again, since we know the person has the quality that he does only what's best for us and knows what's best for us, even if we might not understand it, we now have to trust this being to that extent where we give him the benefit of the doubt. Because Bitahon, like we said, is based also on the knowledge that the one who we're trusting knows exactly what's good for us and is completely good-hearted. So we have to recognize that and, and, and therefore fully rely on the provider and accept whatever the provider does for us. So now, having established the seven qualities that someone must possess to have bitachon in him, Chavot Levavot turns to the matter of who actually possesses these qualities. And this is now where we glorify Hashem, we, 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 we talk about Hashem's incredible qualities, and, uh, and hopefully end this chapter, Besim um, Now, when we look for these seven qualities, we cannot find this in any human beings. Um, technically, human beings, what he's trying to say here is, technically human beings don't have any of the seven qualities. Forget having all of them and forget having the last five, right? The supreme power, perfect insight into one's needs, dedicated care throughout the person's entire existence, absolute control over things, unlimited kindness. We know for a fact human beings don't have those last five. But even the first two qualities, which is compassionate care and love and attentiveness, human beings have them sometimes. We don't have them absolutely. 
As we're going to learn in the next chapter, Hashem has more compassion than anyone else. And whatever compassion someone gets from a human being is because Hashem made that person compassionate. Hashem is the one that has true compassion. Similarly, only Hashem is constantly aware of a person's affairs. Okay, so that's so so he's basically wiping out the fact not only that humans don't have all of these things, human beings don't have one of them. And on the other hand, we find all of them in the Creator. Bless his name, exalted be he. Logic therefore dictates that one should place his trust only in Hashem and not in any human being. And Nahod Lavot is going to talk about a few Pesukim that show us that Hashem has uh, uh, all of these seven qualities. And in some cases, we're going to see how from the quotes that man does not have them. The first quality, we know that Hashem is compassionate and pity for his creations. Because it says, merciful and gracious is Hashem. And we find that Hashem said to the prophet of Yonah, shall I not take pity on Nineveh, the great city? So here uh, they're, they're taking a story where basically, you know, there were the people of Nineveh who were very sinful and Yonah was supposed to go warn them that the city would be destroyed. Um, and, uh, and then they did Teshubah and he then decided not to destroy them. Uh, and Yonah complained sort of and said, uh, you know, the prophecy didn't happen. So Hashem said, should I not take pity on them? That has, has, uh, has a lot of people and a lot of animals. So compassion, pity, and love. That's what we're seeing um, from this pasuk. Now, he mentioned here merciful and gracious. doesn't say love, but it says that Hashem uh, naturally uh, has love in order to show compassion and pity. You have to love something to give something compassion and pity. So that's that's how it rectifies it there. Second quality, We know that Hashem does not divert His attention from people's needs. Uh, basically, Hashem neither slumbers nor sleeps the Garden of Israel. Basically, Hashem is up 24-7. He's not up because there's no such thing as sleep for Hashem, but the point is He's looking over us day and night at all times. The third and fourth quality, that Hashem is wise and knows everything about everybody. Uh, is the fourth quality, and that he's all-powerful, he cannot be foiled in carrying out his wishes. That is uh, the third quality. He's wise of heart and immensely strong, whoever stubbornly opposed him and remained whole. Meaning, who has actually tried to fight against Hashem and uh, and didn't fall into pieces. Uh, and not only does Hashem overpower everyone who opposes him, no one has the strength unless he gives it to them. Literally, Hashem gives the greatness, the strength, and the splendor, and the triumph, and the glory to the people he chooses. So if a person is great, it's because Hashem gave him that greatness. Um, and Hashem ultimately gives this boundless power for the benefit of others. As it says, Hashem, you God is in your midst, the mighty one who will save. Fifth quality. We also know that Hashem can manage a person from beginning to end, which we, we briefly spoke about before. It says, is he not your father, your master? Is he not created you and formed you? That's in Devarim. And it says in Tehillim that I relied on you from the womb, you withdrew me from the innards of my mother. Basically, you separated my mother's egg from her innards so that I can be conceived. Okay, 
Sorry. And we know Hashem directs all the stages of a person's development. As it says, Behold, you poured me out like milk and curdled me like cheese, which is saying how the milk-like seed develops into a fetus in the womb. And it says in the rest of the passage that you clothed me in the skin and flesh, you covered me with bones and sinews, you granted me life, you were kind to me. Basically, again, Hashem uh, built the person from scratch and uh, was with him throughout his entire life. Number six, We also know that one's benefit and one's harm are not under the control of any other man. But only Hashem, who, who manages the person's life. It says that whose decree was ever fulfilled if Hashem did not ordain it, is it not from the mouth of the Most High that misfortune and good emanate? Basically, Hashem gives the good, Hashem gives the perceivably bad. Um, it is not coming from any other human being or any other essence. And only does Hashem have exclusive control over everything that happens, whether good or perceivably bad, but only Hashem can keep things going. As it says, grass withers and blossom fades, but the word of God stands forever. And it says earlier, that uh, basically people are like grass, meaning we wither away and die. Um, so humans don't really have control of anything. There's nothing permanent about us at all. And um, we basically, uh, he's saying that we've also discussed this in Sha'aravat Elohim, which is a different part of the book of Chulot Lavavot. Finally, we have the seventh quality. We have the last quality. That Hashem is generous and, uh, and His kindness is infinite and all-embracing and all-inclusive, including to those who are undeserving, obviously those who are deserving and undeserving. As it says, Hashem is good to all and is merciful on all His works, which even includes the wicked. Saying that Hashem's goodness and mercy is so clear because look how He provides for everybody, right? He gives nourishment to all flesh and His kindness endures forever. And we say this every day, you open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living every living thing. So we basically found the seven proofs from the Tanakh to show why uh, it's true that Hashem is the only one who has all these qualities. And Chavot um, Alevavot is going to now conclude and say, you know, these aren't really needed to prove his point. He says, the truth is that logic uh, is enough, really. If you just think about it logically, it's enough to realize that uh, Hashem only has these seven qualities and none of his creations can, can possibly have it. Only Hashem has unlimited mercy and attentiveness and power and all that. I, I really just gave these uh, uh, scriptures so that you can remember, um, you can remember these qualities um, and, and therefore uh, have a better time reminding yourself that, um, that in fact Hashem is... Uh, is all powerful and, and all trustworthy. So now, having established that Hashem alone possesses the seven qualities on which Bidachon is based, Chavot Levavot describes the absolute trust that one should therefore place in him. So now, we're going to finally realize how practically, in practice, we can have this relationship with Hashem. Once all this that we said becomes clear to a person, and we gain a strong recognition in the truth of Hashem's unlimited kindness. We will place trust in Him. And we will submit and surrender to Him. 
and we will leave the management of our lives. We will we will give our lives over to him, but we don't want to manage it ourselves. We'd rather leave it into Hashem's control. And if Hashem afflicts us, God forbid, or, or not God forbid, listen, if Hashem afflicts us, we will not suspect Hashem of being unfair or doing us bad. And if Hashem gives us challenges, we won't get mad, we won't get angry for what Hashem chose for us. We'll recognize that Hashem did this for our good. As we know, David says, I'll raise a cup of salvations and the name of Hashem I will invoke. And we say, distress and grief I would find and the name of Hashem I would invoke. Meaning that whether Hashem should give him goodness and salvation or put him through stress and grief, David would call out to Hashem in thanks, secure in the knowledge that it's all for his benefit. So, in summary, for a person to put full trust, bitahon, in someone, this per, the, 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 the one that the trust is placed must have seven qualities. He must be compassionate, pitying, and loving. He must be focused without interruption on the needs of the person and be energetic to address them. He must have supreme power so nothing could stand in his way of his helping the person. He must have perfect knowledge of what's good for the person with complete insight into the personal matters. He must have management of the needs of the person. He must have absolute control over anything that everything that happens to the person. And he must be unfailingly generous even to the undeserving. No human being has these seven qualities. Only Hashem has them. So it's only logical to have bitachon in Hashem. This means that one should place his trust in Hashem, submit to his control, and accept all measures of judgment with gladness and with recognition that they're for his ultimate good. And something that we just mentioned at the end, which is very important, is that accepting Hashem's judgment with joy is very, very important. And David HaMelech definitely did that as well. Whatever bad Hashem brings upon a person is actually for his ultimate good, right? It can get a person to recognize misdeeds and correct his ways, or, or it can alleviate worse punishment, whether here or in the next world. So the pain is almost like the pain of a patient who's going through surgery, where it's difficult, but it's ultimately for the healing and the restoring of the health of the person. And, and also, when something might seem bad, it might actually turn out to be good. And a, and a good story that they're mentioning here is Ravi Akiva, when they didn't, you know, there's a story where he, no one let him sleep in a certain city, so he had to sleep in a field, and they, it says he had a lamp, a rooster, and a donkey. And the wind blew out the lamp, uh, and wild animals ate his rooster and his donkey. So, yeah, Ravi Akiva said, okay, listen, I might not understand it, but I think it's for my best. It is for my, not I think, I, that was my edit word, apologies. It's for my best, this is what Hashem wants, it's all for my best. That night, an army came and took the city. And Rabbi uh, Akiva said, wow, if I lived in the city or if the soldiers saw my lamp or heard my rooster or my donkey, they would have taken me. So he realized the tools for his best, best and, and that's what we have to understand, that it might not seem good at the beginning, but it ultimately will be good. And lastly, even when we accept Hashem's judgment, when we don't understand it, that's another way of serving him and showing that we love Hashem. And it's an opportunity to serve Hashem with self-sacrifice. And that is the greatest form of serving because we're commanded to love Hashem with all our hearts, meaning unconditionally. And the test of unconditional love comes in periods of difficulty and distress. The only way to truly show unconditional love is that when we think we're going through something difficult or bad or challenging, but we still love Hashem and we still show Hashem we love you with all our heart and the affliction is an opportunity for us to show Hashem that we love you and accept everything with love. So that is chapter two, which basically outlined the seven things that something would need, so not something, that one who is trustworthy would need to be fully trustworthy and we've concluded only Hashem has them. Azaku Baruch.